Hailing frequencies open, sir. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a bit of a different Hailing Frequencies. This is a Star Trek The Next Generation podcast where we go episode by episode through the next generation, through the eyes of someone who's never seen it before, and that's me. Hi, I'm Ensign Harry. Um, this is very interesting for me because we usually, this is an audio podcast. Some of you may be listening to it, uh, through iTunes and audio only, but we're also doing a special video version of the podcast live. Um, and this is weird because I'm not used to seeing myself doing this. So, uh, I'm trying to get used to it and that's why you had a little bit of a different intro there too. Um, I am joined this week by civilian Greg and civilian Becca. (laughs) Did we never give you guys like official titles? I, I, I mean, I had a title back in the day when I took the that test for like who I was in Star Trek. On like I think season one it was. I have to go back and listen to it because that was something really ridiculous. Like I was like the porter to like the cook or something like that. I don't know. It was something really strange. So, uh, so yeah, civilian civilian is good for me for now until I okay. back and figure out what what I was. I yeah, good, you know, got to get through academy. Yeah. <laughs> And Becca, you're you went from lieutenant commander to civilian. <laughs> I couldn't remember which one I was, so I just put civilian in there. I also didn't want, my spelling skills are very bad. I didn't want to embarrass myself, so I just copied Greg's civilian. <laughs> that works. That works. Well, thank you guys for joining me. Uh Becca, do you want to talk a little bit about why we're video only today? Oh, yeah, because we are going to this will be airing on our free comic book day online event. Um, because obviously stuff is happening. So we couldn't have a free comic book day on the normal May second. Second, yeah, yeah, I was gonna say I think it was second this year. Uh, we couldn't hand out free comics. We couldn't do anything. Uh, so we're going to do a big online event. We'll be streaming. We'll have all sorts of record pre-recorded stuff like this thing uh, and some other stuff. We'll have a bunch of live events happening. Uh, we've got some free content that people can download. Uh, it'll just be a huge big event that we're doing. It's going to be from like 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, on May 30th. Very cool. Very cool. So we thought that since we're uh, doing a video version of the podcast, we'd take advantage of that. So I wanted to do like a Star Trek show and tell where you guys uh, present uh, one or two things that you have that you are really excited to to share with the audience. And uh, I'll join in. I'll I'll grab some of the stuff that I've collected now that I'm a a, a Trekkie, uh, at least at the ensign level. Um, And so uh, I guess, Civilian Greg, we'll start with you. Uh, you are currently appearing before this beautiful wall of miniature starships. Uh, why don't you tell us what you have for Star Trek Show and Tell? Well, my starships back there, I have a bunch more to my left, but the camera just doesn't get them right now. But eventually I'm going to paint that background, put black and stars, and make it very more Star Trek-y. Um, these are the Eagle Moss collectibles. I have uh, issues one through like 102, so I have about 100 and seven or so because those big ones are like special issues um miniatures of like just crazy starships um that might have been there only once or twice you know in the show um i, I was gonna get them because at first when they were being solicited um uh, they said they'd do 100 starships I'm like cool i'll do it why not now they're like an issue like 180 i was like no nah, i can't do this anymore they're getting like really really weird starships i mean they're already doing that before issue 100 so like i can't do this anymore i'm just getting these weird starships i've never remember seeing or i've seen them all probably once because i've seen everything for star trek but um and i don't think anything's based on any of the books but um yeah so that's what i have in the background right there i have a bunch of those which you know been me the show since episode since season one at some point i talked yeah. about it 
those years ago. Uh, yeah, do you yeah. have a favorite on the wall? Um, honestly, I haven't looked at them for a while, but probably um, DS9. Oh, otherwise, DS9. Take a drink. <laughs> there. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're we're, we're buddies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, and I, I mean, of course, but there's an Enterprise like right there. Uh, there's a Klingon one over here. Got a couple so, I mean, different yeah, enterprises. Yeah, so, I mean, there's some there's some cool ones. Um, so yeah, they, I, they just there's I still like looking at them. Come down here and relax and. That, know. That's awesome. It's a great display too. It looks uh, very very nice with the shelves. Thank yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right, uh, Becca, do you what do you have for us for Star Trek Show and Tell? I got two things. Yeah. First thing is big. Uh, and I'm not too sure how much this is going to fit on my camera. Oh, uh, this normally oh, hangs on my wall. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, it is not sharp. Although, if somebody tries invading my house, I'm going to use it. So, for the audio listeners, Becca is holding up. It's the batleth. Yes, that the batleth. Okay. So, the full thing, the three-handled, four-pronged uh, Klingon sword. Did someone make that? Yeah, I mean, there's. A, I go to conventions all the time, and it was one of those things where I was like, you know what, they have all those swords. I'm gonna ask them if they have that, and somebody did, and I bought it. So it's just really cool to hang on a wall. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, and then um, a second thing. Uh, so way back in the day in Atlantic City, we had a comic convention because we could, and it was bad. It was very bad. There wasn't a lot of people, but uh, Nana Visitor was there. That was cool. Oh, very cool. Uh, so I got a signed picture from her. She's one of my favorite uh, favorite characters in uh, Deep Space Nine. So very very cool. I don't. I know do have one more thing I would like to show off also. If that's oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Go for it. No, no, this is this isn't my original one. I sold it at a yard sale years and years ago, and then I found she found one at a uh, I want to say like a thrift shop or something. Mm -hmm. um, it's the Klingon board game. Uh, <laughs> It's a the video. It's a VHS interactive uh, Star Trek game. Um, you basically in the game, uh, a Klingon hijacks the Enterprise. You have to save it. Um, but it's, the Klingon is, I believe, it's it's the first appearance of that actor as a Klingon. Even yes. though in name in the VHS, he's not the Klingon. He is in the show. Yes, it's uh, what's his name? I forget. Uh, Galron. Galron, yeah, but it's different. Just some no name Klingon guy. Klingon in this. Yeah. So, so wait, walk me through. It's a VHS tape that you'd put in and then you'd play it. And what would you have to pause it to do like yeah. the next action? Or so There's parts of the, like you start the game up, he'll, he'll come on the screen and tell you basically like, I took over the ship, blah, blah, blah. And then um, you pause the tape and then the game, then the board itself prompts you when to turn the video back on the VHS to keep going further into the game. Oh um, yeah, it's, 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 I haven't played it in a while, so I don't remember remember the rules that much, but I remember loving it and just like basically the, the board is like a cross section of like Enterprise long wise. So it's it's a pretty cool and unique Star Trek game. So it sounds like we, we need to play this sometime. That's what I'm hearing. I have all the pieces, so absolutely I'll have to bring it over when this whole uh you know when we get together again, we can definitely play it. Do you have the most important piece, a VHS player? <laughs> Um, I don't, but my friend Matt, who you know, probably does have one. I could probably borrow it and make sure the VHS is still good because, you know, it could be all worked. I, I got, I got one. There wow. you go. There's nice. also, um, I also think it might be on YouTube. You might it be able is. to look that one up. 
Yeah, there's no ways of getting it. So yes. Yeah. All right. Well, a very special episode of uh, a video cast of the podcast of the Next Generation. Do we have to figure out when it came out and line it up with the episode? Yeah, I think it. Um, <laughs> I think it was no spoilers, please, from the VHS interactive game. Ninety three, but I'll double check because I don't think there's much. I don't think it um has much spoilers in it. To be honest with you, many spoilers. Uh-huh. In it, so. Okay. <laughs> uh so for mine i have two things as well i want to share the first one is uh, a gift from ensign Lindsay, who uh hosted the last episode we just did uh she did a cross stitching for me uh that says t earl gray hot and it's got like a little enterprise on the teapot and the the teacup and it's kind of it's got like the what are they the l cars kind yeah. of yeah yeah you know uh so i thought that was really really cool um it hangs up in my my nerd room but uh, i love it uh, that she she made that for me and thought of me um so that's one of my that's really cool that, yeah, that's, that's rad <laughs> yeah and the second thing is a toy that i had when i was younger but uh this is not the one that i had i ended up selling it at a yard sale uh, because i wasn't a star trek fan back then um but it's the inner space uh model of the enterprise that it opens up um so you can open it up and uh, I'm trying to get it on the, the screen, but there's like the bridge and there's like little mini versions of the crew. And like, you've got Picard, you can put him in his chair. Uh, you've got the the uh, captain's ready room here, over here. You've got 10 forward in the front. Uh, there's like some stickers that I haven't put on where like the engineering <laughs> department is and stuff. Um, I've got data in the, the chair here in the helm chair. So yeah, it's, it's a really cool little like play set. And uh, I remember loving this thing when I was younger and having no idea what any of this was. <laughs> Except I knew the, the bald guy was the captain. I knew that, but the rest of it, uh, the back opens up so you can, you can get the little shuttlecraft out. <laughs> Cute. Uh, does, does the shuttlecraft have a name? Uh, I have no idea. It's probably on a sticker that I haven't put on gotcha. this set. I tracked it down at a yard sale uh, later on, and I ended up picking this up uh, just because it was such a cool toy to me as a kid. And now that I'm actually into Star Trek, I understand what these things are. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, the inner space uh, Star Trek Enterprise model uh, is, is my other show and tell piece. That was really cool. Yeah. So with that, let's uh, let's jump into the episode. This is Booby Trap, season three, episode six. And we have a little um, presentation to go along with it. So that way you guys have something to watch uh, along. Let me make sure I can get my screen up here and share it. And just all right. So there we go. There's the. logo for the show uh, hailing frequencies and where you can find us at soundcloud.com slash hailing dash frequencies uh booby trap this was wow this was an interesting one um let me just go through really quick what we do traditionally here on hailing frequencies we like to give uh, shout outs to the creative teams behind these episodes so this one is written by ron roman Michael Piller, Richard Danis, and Michael Wagner, and it's directed by Gabrielle Beaumont. And uh, you can kind of feel, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead to our like final review of the episode. We're going to go through it here and talk about some of the highlights, but you, it kind of gives me the feel of an episode that's been written by four different people, <laughs> um, just by some of the way it jumps around. And, and it seems like there were narrative threads that were supposed to go in one direction, and they ended up going in a completely different direction. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because that's one of the things I was like going to talk about is um, 
this episode, and there was another episode, I forgot off the top of my head, uh, which episode it was, it was they brought this high-profile writer in. He was a really solid actor. He wrote, like, Hill Street Blues and, like, crime and cop shows. Mm-hmm. But he didn't have a really good feel for Star Trek. So he had the basic outline of this, and he directed some of it, but, like, it went through a bunch of rewrites with other people. But he's, like, one of the two episodes, this is what he did, and then they got rid of him because just wasn't a right fit because he just didn't understand Star Trek, didn't really understand sci-fi. Um, so that's why, as you said, you felt like it's a bu- written by a bunch of people because it actually was. That that makes sense. I mean, it's just, it's not that the, the voices of the characters are wrong. It's no. just, it feels like this episode was supposed to go, you know, different branching paths and they, they picked like a really weird one that they veered off to. Um, but we open up with Jordy uh, on a beach, he's sipping Coco Nonos, which I now want to know what what's the recipe for a good Coco Nono. I'm sure there's a website for all the Star Trek drinks. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, we we know that the young lady that he's with is is named Christy. Um, they're laying out on the beach. He snaps his fingers, and a violinist uh, comes over and you know starts playing for them and. <laughs> You know, he starts kind of moving over and does the arm thing. And then she tells him, hey, oh, I no, just, no, no I, I don't like you in that way. And, you know, my first question was, well, you know, how did it get this far along before she, either she said something or, you know, he tried to make a move? Like, how does that conversation go? You know, hey, do you want to come with me to the holodeck? <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of nice like to see, like, even though in this, this futuristic world that still like men and women are like this kind of like it's still awkward like trying to tell somebody hey i don't really like you that way or i do like you that way and it's just it's like to see that was still in the show and like it's so it's not just all like super confident people doing super confident things which i you know is the one thing i did like about this part of it which you know uh and of course the actual like holodeck was actually pretty pretty good considering still 1989 with the matte painting and the but the water and the and the beach like they did a good job of putting it together. Yeah. Yeah, it looks great. I mean, honestly, I think it's just the violinist that just <laughs> nail in the coffin. Like, what? Yeah, it, like, definitely. he grabbed, like, some generic pirate man? Question mark? And, like, the least romantic song? Okay, not the least romantic, but definitely <laughs> not in romantic uh, category song. Like, it's, it was not You don't want to push too hard, you know? Do you guys think that she was maybe interested in him until the date and he blew it on the date? Or was she not interested in him at all and just got to this point where she finally had to tell him? I think the latter. I mean, just when the show opens up, you kind of see in her face already. She's like, eh, eh, like, <laughs> doesn't care too much for Jordy. All I way. wanted was the layout on a beach. That's it. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> want anything else. <laughs> My friend zoned real quick. <laughs> So we uh, cut to Data and Wesley. They're playing uh, this vertical chess, which I think I saw like a smaller version of this on Picard's desk one time. But this is the first time I've seen them actually like moving the pieces around and, and playing it. It, it, it. It's cool. I mean, I'm sure. Does this exist outside of Star Trek? It does. Yeah, well, they, does, yeah. it does now. But Star Trek created it, and, but yeah. somebody you know, made it and made the actual rules for the game. And yeah, it, it does exist. Yeah, this one's um 3D tra- chess. It exists in the TOS in the original series. Oh, uh, wow. Spock plays it a lot. That's uh, right. That's right. And then it shows. I mean, it shows up. It shows up as recent as uh, I think. Uh, what's it? Uh, Discovery had it in one of its more recent episodes. I 
think Picard might have had it also in one in one of the episodes. Yeah, I, I know it looks familiar. Um, I think it was on his desk at one point, but I don't know if we ever saw anyone playing it before. Um, yeah, not but, not in the. Uh, I think Greg means Picard the show, not. Oh, 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 yeah. oh. Sorry, the, new, the new show. Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Um, is, is the episode coming in the season, Becca? Where that's a big part of the this the episode of the where that already passed. I forget the one with the. I don't want to spoil it for Harry if, it's, if he hasn't seen it yet. Was it like it was like it was like that that um wait Discovery one, or Picard? No, it's in Next Generation, the one that's uh they do war games and like with Stratagemma. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw that one. But, but saw doesn't that. he play? It's, sim- it's not similar, but like you know, no, it's it's a weird cool. like because they get the they've weird, got like, like things, things on their fingers. fingers. And, um, <laughs> just just for the audience. This is now how 99% of my conversations with these two go. It's like, oh, did that happen? And, and I don't want to say anything because I don't want to spoil it for Harry. But then it's the one with the wharf and the thing and the data. And, and, I'm, and then I go shuffle away sadly in a corner so they can I mean, talk about their secrets. I mean, I know the show's like 40 years old now, but still no spoilers for Harry. No spoilers. Never. No spoilers. I mean, I'm going through this for the very first time. So it's, it's very exciting. And I, don't, I still don't know what's going on. Um, I, I think... One of my favorite parts about this scene was the smugness of of Wesley when he makes that move, and he's like, "Yeah, I, I got you." And he had that, and they pin up to his face, and he's like, has that smirk on him. It's like that. What? That's why nobody likes you, Wesley. That's why nobody <laughs> likes you. Hey, hey, hey! I am Team Crushers. Team Crushers here. <laughs> I I liked them more as it got as he got older and and more more involved in the show. He just wasn't that weird kid who was just there. You know, he actually did things. So uh, this scene also sets the background of what's going on in this episode, where the Enterprise is. They're in this, what looks to be an asteroid field, but it's the remnants of Aurelius 9. And it's the site of the final battle between what we'll later learn is the Promillions and the Menthars. And they apparently just fought each other to extinction. And, you know, the Enterprise is in there to kind of investigate, look at what's going on. Um, and while they're there, uh, they see Jordy walk into 10 forward and he's kind of dejected. He sits at the bar and Wesley, uh, informs us that Jordy has been working on that program for days. So it took him a while to get that beach and the piano or violin player (laughs) going on. Uh, yeah, it took days, um, for him to set that up. So poor Jordy. Um, oh, there he is. Yep, <laughs> he's dejected at the Super bar. Dejected. I've been there before, Jordy. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> so the Enterprise gets a distress signal from uh, this Promillion battle cruiser, and Picard is super excited um, when he sees yeah. the the shape that the cruiser's in. Um, we've seen in some of the other episodes, Picard and his, uh, interest in archaeology, archaeological studies, uh, yeah. you know, the past, uh, history, student of history. Um, this one is great because he's excited that the, the engines are still intact and we get the Indiana Jones line. It belongs in a museum, which I thought was great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, there's no life forms aboard, uh, and Picard says, well, you know, I, I would hope not. This distress signal is probably a thousand years old. Um, so we know that there's quite a bit of time that the ship has been floating out there. Going, um, going back for a second for, um, that ship was actually, um, used in a, a movie that I know fairly well. Um, back in 19, I'm a huge horror fan. It was actual the spaceship in Night of the Creeps. <laughs> 
Whoa. Um, from Mutant 86, yeah. And so they reused that ship for this episode. Um, and if you if you love 80s horror, that's one to watch. It's it's really well done. Not to go off on a tangent about horror stuff, but yeah, I was like, <laughs> no, I, I really cool. I know that these ships have been repurposed a lot, you know, within the show, but it's cool to hear that this was something that existed outside of the show that they brought back in. They brought it in, yeah, yep. Which I thought was pretty cool. Um, so naturally, uh, they want to send someone over to go check out the ship, and Picard and Riker arguing in the hallway on the way down to the transporter room. Uh, Picard really wants to go, and Riker is doing his best as, hey, I'm I'm the first officer, you know, you don't usually go on these away missions. This, uh, this part blows my mind because literally, like, Riker's like, we, I mean, we scanned it, but we need to do more scans. Literally an episode after somebody dies because they did scans and they didn't pick up on something. And then Picard's like, what? It's fine. It's safe. There's no booby traps on this. It's cool. What could somebody go wrong? just died. And not only that, but, like, there have been other ghost ships that they've gone over to, and, like, bad things have happened, so. <laughs> Riker is fully correct. <laughs> uh, but Picard, Picard pulls rank. He starts talking about ships in bottles and how when he was a kid, he used to wonder, you know, what what it would be like to go into the bottle. And he says, actually, he thinks he may have had a Permillion uh, cruiser in his collection, which is funny because now Greg is in front of a bunch of small ships. Probably <laughs> not the familiar one. And I, I love like the line. No, oh, I think we're losing Greg. you, Greg. Oh, Greg, your audio. We're losing him there. Oh no. <laughs> he is very enthusiastic about what he's enthusiastic. Saying. Yeah, and he's he's got the uh, ships in, <laughs> in front of behind him, but he doesn't have the familiar cruiser. Yeah. There you go. You're okay. back. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. Your audio just cut right. off immediately. I know. My it, it sucks because I'm I'm on a jetpack, which is should be it's right next to my computer. So I shouldn't have any problems, but I do. But I guess what I was trying to say, well, all the like the back and forth between Picard talking about when he was a boy, mm-hmm. when he built ships, and he talked told Estet Data and Warfs like, didn't you do this as 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 a kid? And of course, Data says, I was never a boy. Worf says something like, I didn't play with toys or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, and then O'Brien with the best line of all. O'Brien! Like, I know, it's one of O'Brien's best scenes so far. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, you know, I'll be, I, I, I did it, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. You know, to me it sounded like he was kind of sucking up a little bit to the captain there. A little, It was a little quick, a little quick. And Riker, like, turned on him and, and gave him, like, a death glare. And he goes, no, no, but really, I did. I, I played with ships and bottles all the time. They were great. <laughs> There's also, but it's like uh, that, that deadpan O'Brien, so you're not really sure if he was telling the truth or not. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know if you're going to do blooper reels, but uh, there's a great blooper reel for this scene specifically. Uh, I assume you'll watch it eventually. It's amazing, though. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Um, so let's see. So Picard, Data, and Worf end up going over to explore the ship's bridge. Um, they have these really cool handheld flashlight things. Um, you can see if you're watching the video, uh, we have the clip of it there. But Picard is, like, so excited. He's He's talking about how this is so much more advanced and and graceful than he expected he thought it'd be clumsy and it's it's a very elegant design um and he's just so happy to be where he is they they find like a dead body in one of the chairs and he's still happy he's not he's not freaked out at all he's just like oh this is this is great this is the best day ever 
<laughs> so let's see what we got next. Well, back on the Enterprise, Jordy is uh, trying to go to who everyone on this ship tends to go to when they're <laughs> in, uh, especially relationship and love troubles. Uh, it's Guinan. And she should really charge by the hour because she, <laughs> she always ends up saying the right thing at the right time for these guys. Hey, there's no money in, in, in Star Trek. Like oh, this. that's right. That's right. It's all oh, man. free and yeah, yeah. You should at least get a therapist. Yeah. You know? Make him wipe down 10 forward. <laughs> it's, it's funny how Guyan does better counseling than the counselor does most of the time. Most of the time. It's true. It's, it's true. It's unfortunate, but it's true. Yeah. Um, but Jordy, when you're trying to get advice from somebody, he leads off with, uh, so you're a woman, right? <laughs> And Guinan says, yes. And, you know, and so he's trying to figure out what, you know, what do women look for in a man? And and that's a very subjective question. It depends on the woman. But Jordy doesn't, Jordy's looking for like the one size fits all formula, you know, to, to get girls. Yeah. And uh, so Guinan tells him that she looks for the head. And, uh, you know, Jordy interprets that to mean, yeah, oh, you look for a scientific mind, you know, a great thinker. And she goes, no, no, no. I want to see if the guy's bald or not. Um, I, I like bald men <laughs> and she, and Jordy asks, you know, a little bit more about that. And she says, well, a bald man was very kind to me once, you know, when I needed help and, uh, and she leaves it at that. So I'm hoping that that comes back again <laughs> because a lot of these things, these threads get thrown out there and then they never get picked up on. So, you know, it comes back eventually. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering if she means Picard because he's the only other bald person we know on the show, but um, and they seem to have had a history, but um, again, I mean, she just—they leave it floating out there, and they never—they never bring it to a conclusion. So, yeah, this episode in particular, for some odd reason, is just full of no, that does show up again, like as yeah. opposed to the usual no, we'll never hear from it ever. Yeah, longtime listeners of our show, um, I will throw something out there and be really excited about something, and then my co-hosts tell me, and you never hear from it again, or you never see it again. Yep. It's the most and deflating thing. And that's why season three is starts getting when start this show gets really good because they start actually going back, uh, getting to things that they talk about, um, going back to in later episodes, later seasons, which is great. Cool, cool. And and Guinan's uh, final piece of advice here is uh, she gets Jordy to kind of realize that he's much more at ease and he's comfortable talking to women if he doesn't try so hard. He's maybe th- overthinking it, trying a little bit too hard. Um, so that's her kind of passioned advice that she, she gives him here. Um, the Enterprise is getting some weird readings on their power, especially when they beamed everybody over. It kind of The lights dimmed in the transporter room, and they kind of shrugged it off and, and said, keep an eye on it. Um, but they do find the source of the distress signal in the, uh, in the million ship. Um, it's crude in comparison uh, according to data uh, with their isolinear chips that they use. But Picard points out that, hey, this was from a thousand years ago um, or even older than that. I mean, he says when when this ship was built, humanity was still using uh, stone crossbows and mastering the, the clocks and things. And I just want to ask you guys, does that match up with the timeline correctly? Or it's a little... I'm not 100% sure on that. I know it's like, because if, if he's saying that, that means it's probably over... 15 so what's this like this is year like 23 something i think or 23 so 24 like, yeah yeah so it's like 13 so i mean it, i mean it gets a little <laughs> bit it does but um 
The question is who who's using stones and uh, crossbows? Because we've used them a lot. Rep objective, yeah. So it's 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 hard to say for sure. Mm. I mean, I mean, the, the problem with that is too is that they you know they never talk about these two people, these two species again ever. Mm. Like this is the only time you ever they ever talk about these species. I don't think you see them. The mert. What are they called? The mert, not the mertons. The uh, the uh, the uh, uh, mentars. Mentars. You never. I don't think you ever see them. And you see, you know, you you do see the uh, Prometheans in this, but you know, they were only referenced again in in um in like two books mm. in the series, and one was a book um that was based during Enterprise, uh, the Scott Bakula show, mm. um, and. and, and Really, that's all they ever mentioned about Prometheans and Mentors. They never really go in the show anything about these guys again. So it's hard to say, like, time frame wise. It's funny we're getting a lot of species this season that are just ex- uh, they're wiped out. They're extinct. You know, the Enterprise keeps encountering these last survivors of a species or you know technology from a species, and then they talk about that species, and they're like, oh yeah, and they're all gone now. I mean, um, I mean, keep an eye out because they always they seem to they use reuse all the costuming for like other species. <laughs> so you might think, oh, he looks like a Promethean, but it's only a part of it. You maybe is the hair or the face or whatever, you know. So keep true. an eye out for that. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, I mean, scientifically, like, I mean, we only exist so far into the universe. You know, like we exist very far into the universe existing. So it makes sense that there would be like stuff that existed beforehand, stuff that has is still existing now. So you know, like, and we only get to so. I mean even the Star Trek shows only get to so far in our, in our Milky Way galaxy. Mm. Uh, and there's more outside of that. So it's, it's at least cool that they have like, not everybody became warp capable around the same thousand year, you know, cycle. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did like that. You know, that's, you know, the, the prime directive, that's, you know, what it's one of the main reasons for, because that happened and not everybody's the same path of their evolution, you know, so like Becca said, you know, it's it is cool to see like people that were technology savvy or the opposite, you know, in different time periods. Right, and like this ship is still advanced for us today, for our society today. Um, but now, you know, they're looking back on it and saying it's crude. Well, Data's looking back on it and saying it's crude. Um, Picard is just still in he's in heaven. He loves every minute of this. Um, they find a memory coil. I, I want to say they called it a memory coil. It was uh, sort of like a chip that had um, a message on it. And um, they used the tricorder to boost the signal and, and sort of straighten out the, the message. And the message is from the captain of the ship. And he says that, you know, he's uh, failed his duties as captain to keep them safe. But the crew performed admirably. He wants the history books to, to rec- uh, record that and show it. And, and he also wants to take full responsibility for all the souls that are lost. Um, but he doesn't really go into detail as to what's going on. Um, one of the interesting things I saw about this scene was this was really the first time they've shown us the tricorder from this perspective and how it okay. works. Um, we've always seen it kind of from the back and somebody holding it up and pushing some buttons and, you know, but this is the first time they've given us sort of this angle. If you're watching the video, it shows, you know, what it looks like and, and like the, the buttons and things like that. So I thought that was really interesting here. Um, I still don't know what they do. It's kind of, it reminds me of like Dr. Who and the sonic screwdriver. It kind of does whatever they needed to do yeah. for the episode. <laughs> but, uh, okay. All right. Cause I know they use it for medical, uh, for, for checking over bodies and stuff. Well, for medical there's a medical tricorder and yeah. a regular tricorder. So there's a difference between those two. Okay. It's like a it's like a grappling calculator, and you got the one button that just says solve. Like, 
<laughs> all of the buttons on the tricorder. Uh, so that, that so they get this message, um, and then after they review the message, Picard he's pretty much seen enough, and uh, they go back to the Enterprise. Um, Picard um, tells them, you know, hey, let's send out a message uh, to the nearby um, Starbase or the Armada and, and, and have the ship towed in uh, because it belongs in the museum. Well, um, this, is when he, this is when he came back and he said, oh, we saw everything, right? I was like, yeah, only yeah. The, <laughs> they just the got the bridge and one thing. Like, you didn't see everything. Come on, man. Like They, they just turned on the lights. <laughs> yeah, like, you just, yeah, come on. I know it's for a show. It's 40 minutes long. But come on. <laughs> it's all he needed. He saw all he needed to see. This is yeah, where the captain sits? Okay. <laughs> um, when he comes back, though, it's there's a scene where Riker kind of stares at him and gives him, like, a really creepy smile. And Troy is kind of, like, looking at him and, and smiling. And everybody's kind of smiling at him. And he looks around. And he's like, what? And she goes, you know, you're happy. It's, it's nice to see this side of you. We don't get to see it very often. Um, so I don't know what that says for Picard's demeanor on the bridge normally but (laughs) you know he must be pretty pretty grumpy most of the time he's pretty straight out for most of this there's there's a couple episodes like this one some other ones where you see more of him being like what you know his hair down as they say you know there's no hair but uh just get a glimpse of like what he is as a human being you know every Mm. one every so often which is cool yeah yeah uh, so the Enterprise, they've seen all they needed to see. They tried to turn around and leave, and they can't move. Um, they're having issues. They, they try to increase the power. Um, they try to uh, push the, the engines, and it's not going anywhere. Um, so they go up to they, they go to yellow alert, which I, I wrote down here because that came up last last time last week. Uh, uh, apparently, according to our friend uh, Damon Mike, who responded on our Facebook group, the yellow alert, uh, he explained that that's kind of having the crew get ready for battle situation, um, but they still can keep going doing what they're doing. Um, it's just sort of be at the ready. Yeah, there's um, like no immediate threat. Right, right. It's like if you're close to the neutral zone, you know, you'd want to be at yellow alert so you can get everybody mobilized uh, quicker. Uh, is reporting that everything looks fine with the engine, so he doesn't know why they're not being able, not moving. Um, and in fact, if they give them any more power, the engines might uh, shut down or might overheat. Um, so they have to actually shut down the engines and kind of go at impulse power. Um, but there's now a radiation um, issue with uh, a blast of radiation about to hit the Enterprise. And so they go to red alert here. And this is where the uh, power, it's, it's kind of being drained from the Enterprise very slowly. Um, but they do have the shields up to block the radiation. But if this keeps going and the power keeps getting drained, they're going to lose the shields. And they could be blasted with fatal radiation, you know, within 30-something minutes, which is like the amount of time that's left in the episode, which is convenient. <laughs> it happens quite a bit. <laughs> Uh, so Picard, uh, you know, he's looking out at the ship and he's wondering if maybe, uh, the Enterprise has fallen for the same booby trap that, that doomed the Promillion ship. Uh, and, you know, we don't know what happened to them and, and why they suffered and, and were destroyed. And now they could be suffering from the same thing here. Oh yeah. Uh, um, also this scene really shows it off, but there's actually, uh, another another costume change that happens uh because i know we just got the new uniforms 
uh, but we get new new uniforms and only oh. Picard's wearing it. Oh, oh um, should I go? So Picard's on everybody else's outfit. Uh, they actually have lines that go down, uh, actually like right through the the um, <laughs> the badge. Uh, whereas Picard's is a solid, so they they change it up just a little bit more. I think he's also got uh, like an elastic band around his waist that's a bit better fitting than everybody else's. So they they oh. change it up. Picard's the only one that has it this episode, but they'll start rolling it out to everybody else. Interesting. Um, that and is that the last time they update the costumes or? As far as I know, unless they do any other smaller uh, changes, I think that's the last one. Other than like Picard gets some like cool costumes because he's Picard. Like, why not? But um, yeah, at least in the at least in the uh, the TV show. Yes. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> uh, so Picard calls an officers' conference. This is the first officers' conference we get. I, I, this is one of my favorite things of the show is when there's a situation like this. And Picard gets all of his best people in a room, all the senior officers, and you know he they go over options, and Picard weighs them all and tries to come up with a solution. I think that's a really really cool part of the show. It's part of what makes Star Trek Star Trek instead of you know oh we'll just shoot it with a big gun or something. Yeah. Um, so you know they go over what the problem is. The engines are idling. The Enterprise is losing power. The shields will be gone. Um, Data has no record of any type of weaponry that. The, uh, the either side in this battle could have had to have caused this. Uh, Riker decides that, you know, we'll set up an away team. We'll go with data. We'll go back over the ship, see if there's something we missed. Um, and then Dr. Crusher uh, gives the report on uh, how to uh, rearrange the families and the crew and, and put them on the odd numbered decks, which I thought was really neat to see her um, sort of, step up into action and and give her report to Picard. This is what we're going to do with the, the people, the families. And then um, she also tells him, you know, about the timelines once the shields fail. Yeah, it's um, cool seeing her like super prepared and like, yeah, getting that like a little bit of information, like maybe minutes ago and being able to have a plan like set up immediately where, you know, we're going to cut power on certain levels and mm -hmm. have people like it's, it's, it's cool. Yeah. I, I like the scene too, where it's like, you know, not, <clears throat> I'm sure this has been happening in other episodes, but, you know, Worf doesn't, is, you know, is asked a question and he is immediately poo-pooed by everybody. Like, yeah. I feel like they were valuing his opinion about, like, the weaponry and, like, what he can do being security officer um, on the Enterprise. So, like, it's it's a nice, like you said, nice round table discussion, like, in a calm way, get, get everybody's, you know, input of, like, what their specialities are and make the uh, proper changes. Mm-hmm. And so now we've got Jordy down in engineering and he figures out that there's something that's um, stopping the ship. You know, when they try to go, some force is, is kind of stopping it and holding it in place. Um, so he goes to the database and he looks up uh, propulsion uh, experts, anybody on, in the records on propulsion. And this isn't explained very well. I had to go back and kind of figure out what's going on here because I thought these were current officers on the ship that could help him. Um, and this was actually in the ship's archives of uh, people who worked in propulsion. And he finds this uh, Leah uh, Brams who designed the warp engines for the Enterprise. Um, and so he decides that um, he, he comes up with some kind of solution about re reorienting the crystals. There's a lot of techno speak in this one that I'm like, I was trying to write it down as frantically as I could. Like, oh, we'll, we'll reverse the polarity and re, re 
jigger the crystals and everything will be fine, you know. And uh, I just couldn't keep up with it. All. There's a lot this episode, yeah. 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 Um, I but, also um, I like this scene. It made me think of Matt and Mike uh, and their complaints about seat belts because Jordy's just rolling around in a rolly chair that is completely not connected to anything <laughs> and definitely doesn't have seat belts in any way. So you know. Call. Yeah, you know, the, the ship's just shaking. He's just in a rolly chair. And, you know, one of the other things that was really neat in this scene was one of the options that Jordy kind of punches into the computer. Um, he asked for something and the computer said, oh, that'll be implemented on the next starship, the next version of the starship. And I thought that was cool to see that Starfleet is already thinking about what the next, I don't know if it's the next class of starships or the next generation of galaxy class starships would, would have, but it would have this new feature and Jordy's like, well, we don't have time for that. We need to find a solution right now. But uh, I just thought it was neat to see them kind of talk about Starfleet planning for the future. Yeah, you get a bunch of episodes where they go to start, you know, Stardock or whatever, and they do get like minor upgrades and things like that, where they, when, like I said, they have newer technology, when they finally come back from their mission or whatever else, they dock and they get those repairs. Like in that episode, you know, the 10011, <laughs> whatever the heck that was. That's yeah. Good. Season one, season two, whatever that was. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Jordy decides what he's going to do is come up with uh, the go back with a, a program on the holodeck that will kind of allow him to run some scenarios and figure out what's going on. And maybe he can access some of the data from uh, this, this doctor that he found on the database. Um, so here's an episode, or here's the clip of uh, Dr. Crusher giving her report to Picard. Um, but Jordy, he runs a simulation and it puts him in the, um, let me see if I can find it. There it is. There we go. The uh, original, one of the rooms where they were planning out the Enterprise, the Enterprise D. And uh, you get to see it under construction out of the windows, which is really, really cool. Yeah, it's the Utopia Planitia Fleet Yard, uh, oh. specifically the one. Yeah. But nice. yeah, it's where the, where the Enterprise was made. That, I mean, it's awesome because like the the saucer, you can see some of the the I guess webbing almost, you know, where they were were building it out, and um, you know, it just it was really really cool to to see the model like this. Um, you know, I know they reuse models a lot, but they did a kind of like under construction version of it, um, which was cool. Yeah, even having the uh, the nacelles be like completely dark because the mm -hmm. ship's always flying, so it's they're blue, having them completely just white gray was awesome yeah so he's literally at the enterprise drawing board to try to come up with a solution um and he starts interacting with this this doctor uh he calls her leia uh on uh the audio logs and it's they're coming up with some plan to supplement the energy um and try to get more energy right now it's to try to help boost the shields and keep the shields running so that they can block out this radiation um, again, there's a lot of techno speak going on here, and it's it's all flying mostly over my head. <laughs> um, but he he accidentally, through his commands to the computer, creates an actual holodeck version of of Leia, and um, he he starts interacting with her, and he asks her to show him how to increase the power and they, they start working together, but she's very robotic here. Um, she's very matter of fact, she's answering his questions like, like a computer um, and they working together, they figure out how to extend the matter antimatter supplies to maintain the shields. 
And uh, Riker's very excited about that, but then says, oh, so we're good, right? And Jordy says, no, 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 wait, that's just the one problem. You still have the rest of the uh, warp, the end, the actual propulsion issue to deal with. Yeah. And this is this is where it gets funny because Picard says to him, uh, oh, congratulations to you and your team on figuring this out. And it's like, well, what team? I mean, Jordy's down there by himself. It's only ever Jordy. <laughs> this holodeck. And it, it's like, that, that that is one of the running themes of this show is like, where is the engineering department when it comes to these things? They're just mind boggling. And, and once Jordy got thrown into the chief engineer role, he kind of like, I think he just fired everybody else. I don't know, but there is no team. Extras in this episode, so, you know. There is no team. And, and you know, the other thing is like this, what Jordy has created here, going back through the logs and, and having access to the Enterprise as it was drawn up would be really useful training for an engineering department. I mean, it's it's literally, it's, it's, it's a visual rec- re- uh, representation of the book that they would use to probably run the Enterprise. Yes. So why wouldn't this be standard operating procedure? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't get it. There's too many. There's too many problems on the holodeck, Harry. You already know that. Already too <laughs> and there's true. still like twelve and a half seasons left. <laughs> true. True. Oh, um, uh, quick note on this one too. Just because she shows up, the actress who plays Leah Brahms. There were initially in the script she was going to be um, a relative or you know a descendant of Daystrom, who's an important character in the Star Trek universe. Mm. Uh, but they hired her before realizing that Daystrom, the character that shows up in the, uh, you know, the original Enterprise, uh, the, God, the original series of Star Trek, uh, was an African-American man. Uh, oh, no. And she is very white. <laughs> so they had to change the script real quick to be like, oh, this oh. one. It's just really funny that, like, some, somewhere along the line, they just didn't get the information down there that it was like, oh, oh, yeah, by the way. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, so back on the ship, data reports that they found uh, more logs, more memory coils in like an open locker and they're bringing it back uh, to the Enterprise. I don't know if we have a clip for that, but there's the two ships uh, in uh, outside of each other. Uh, so Jordy keeps working with this this Leia uh, hologram to come up with a solution now. They're, they're getting very excited. Um, and Jordy, as he's talking to Leia, like I said, it's very robotic, very yes, no, you know, this is what you need. And Jordy starts trying to push for more personality. Um, and he starts asking the computer if it can recreate, uh, Leia's personality from, you know, maybe she appeared publicly somewhere in, in some debates or something. Can you, in, it, can you take her public appearances and, and put it into this hologram so that she's, she's got more responses and, and more personality. He, he was very specific in which uh, he he said specifically which debate uh, she was in. So like, yeah, yeah, it was kind of weird. Like I know just the writing, but it is weird that he knew exactly which debate to use, and then the computer then extrapolated from everywhere else, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, Jordy, come on, you're on a time scale, he's time frame here. Like you have like two hours or whatever, you know. Stick with what's important, right? <laughs> yeah, stick with what's important. Yeah, energy's um, literally leaking out of the ship. Like, please don't use the computer to compute a personality. Right, right. But like, she kind of comes alive once uh, you can see like the, the demeanor of the actress changes. She kind of drops her shoulders. She's less robotic, and um, you can see that once the computer follows through on Jordy's uh, on Jordy's orders, um, there's more personality in this Leia 
facsimile as they keep calling it. Um, back on the enterprise, data finds a log that mentions uh, that mentions that the the one species had these generators that could siphon off energy. And so they start to piece together that they must have these uh, things hidden throughout this asteroid field um, that are, are bombarding with radiation, but also eating the energy. So basically the more the enterprise tries to push forward, um, the more it is powering these generators that are eventually going to kill them. So um, there's our central issue for the episode. <laughs> Um, so Jordy and, and Leia are now fighting like the, the very next scene, once he gives her some personality, they start just like arguing with each other and screaming at each other. Um, she wants to uh, really push the engines, you know, really hard. And Jordy's saying how, you know, you can't do that. It might mathematically, it might work, but I, I have more experience, real world experience living on this ship, working with it every day. Um, and it's, it's got mileage on it. So, you know, you may blow up the engines by accident by doing this. And, you know, she's looking at things very much through the eyes of someone who's doing it through the books. And, you know, you later find out that the designers never actually get to go on to the ships. Um, and she says that, uh, you know, she wishes she could fly through space and the designers wish they could fly through space. And Jordy says the chief engineers should be there when the ships are being built. And that's a really good point. I mean, why not? <laughs> bring the people who are going to be responsible for every nut and bolt on the ship in earlier. Um, you know, we know here, Jordy wasn't in the chief engineer role, you know, when they were heading out, but, um, but yeah, it's a good, good question. And I don't know why it's not standard procedure. Uh, so back on the enterprise, they're looking through the, the uh, logs and, now Picard is looking for any kind of variations in the uh, in the the field, the generators, to see if they could maybe brute force their way uh, through. Maybe they could find one on an asteroid and and uh, break the field. And so he orders um, after let's see after this conversation, he orders Worf to fire on uh, one of the asteroids, thinking they can maybe find it uh, there because they found like a 0.01 percent fluctuation. Uh, in that spot. And Jordy is back on the bridge at this point. He warns them that, you know, if you do this and draw power away, um, it may actually cause the shields to drop faster. You know, we'll lose critical systems faster. Um, and again, this is one of those situations where Picard has to kind of weigh the options and he chooses the brute strength option and it doesn't work. Um, so I thought that was a really cool, there's the, the picture there of the Enterprise firing the phaser. I thought it was a really neat way to show that Picard's not perfect. Not every decision that he makes is the right one. And uh, I think it's good for the show to show that sometimes. Yeah, this, this whole episode is just what would happen if Picard just took Worf's advice at every turn. Oh, we should definitely shoot it. Like, okay, cool, good. Let's do that. Um, due to them using the phasers like this, the energy reserves drop by 10%. And so the enterprise has to start cutting off systems uh, very quickly. Uh, one of those systems they cut off is the holodeck and it literally like leaves Jordy standing in an empty room. And you can tell at this point that Jordy, he's starting to develop feelings for Leia. Um, and you know, it's- That's Jordy. <laughs> I mean, it's not 100% his fault. She keep, she repeats over and over again. She's like, well, when you touch the engine, it's you, you're touching me. And it's like, 
computer, what kind of talks was she at that she was using these like words and like massaging like where yeah where was she that the the program was like you know what she definitely looks like a person that would massage your it's like what i want to know is like where who do you like where's the hr in this like the computer section the vast majority is here you know who do you go to from there you know it's uh it's a bit but you're right it is like i like how the computer extrapolates that per, part of her personality like how would how from where? a couple of talks like it makes zero sense yeah and like you've got to think is like is this jordy falling for her because she's a fellow kind of like tech geek you know to so to speak or is he just kind of like is he has he had a series of of losses in the the courtship department and you know is he just trying to cling on to the first uh, I, anything that, that gives him a little bit of both uh because like in the beginning you know when he's talking to the guy and he says oh so you look for their brain and like clearly that's what he's doing her her, uh, her you know she's very smart whether you know she's the computer or not like to him she's very intelligent so that attracts him but he's also like you said it's probably because he's not using his best judgment because he's had a bunch of bad first dates for a while it sounds like Mm -hmm. so it's probably a little bit of both yeah i also feel like it's a lot of if a computer was to look at you specifically and only take your personality based on public speaking roles uh, you would probably come out as a completely different person than you are just <laughs> sitting around doing whatever on normal days. Like, so it's probably like for as much as the computer's like, well, it's a nine percent chance that like it's like, where'd you even get that? Where'd you even get that yeah. number from? You don't know what she's like. Like, and, like they're not supposed to use like personal logs, so they clearly they didn't get personal logs from her to get more right. personality. Like, she's supposed to be, she should she'd be like Spock, like very like dry and very just like by the book because that's what. The computer can get from that but maybe, oh maybe God, repeat. yeah maybe she, she'd repeat that one joke she made that everybody really laughed at at the the one <laughs> just over and over and over again because the computer doesn't know what else she said Is that before or after she gave back rubs to the entire audience <laughs> as she's going down <laughs> <laughs> the other the other theory i have is this is a this is the computer like this isn't the computer's like oh yeah i'll i'll make i'll make that personality it's definitely a person and not me in disguise <laughs> as a lady <laughs> hey jordy how's it going um <laughs> uh, so you know because of the draw and the energy the, the holodeck shuts off the enterprise is is pretty much off um you know they show an exterior shot of the ship i'm not sure if we have a clip of it um but it, it's everything except for the blue uh, I forget what that's called there in the, the, the bottom. I can show you guys. Hang on. This uh, I've, got, I've got a model here of the Enterprise. <laughs> and like it, it's all lit up usually, but like now with the energy reserves off, like it's just the one, uh, this this one thing is blue. <laughs> this here. Oh, yeah. the, uh, this, the dish, whatever that they call that. Uh, yeah, the front yeah, of it, the, the front of the. the, like the front the reflector dish or something, I think it yeah, is. It's the battle bridge, bridge section. Yeah. 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 Uh, is blue um so yeah so it's it's basically flying through space like this the the nacelles are off you know everything is off except for that that dish um jordy <laughs> jordy reports to the captain he says hey uh can can you turn it back on the, the holodeck uh holodeck three I, I have a propulsion system uh program simulation going in there and uh he doesn't mention anything about the girl or anything like that he's just because he can't override the computer himself so he needs the captain's orders and uh picard picard reinstates it but he gives him one hour he says you've got one hour to try to figure this out because now we're we're in trouble um 
So Jordy and, and Leah go back to work, you know, they're trying to figure out what they can do. They come up with this um, idea that there's uh, fluctuations when, whenever the enterprise uh, makes an action to go like, let's say go faster, they get a, a reaction from the generators to push them back. And there's like an a equal and opposite reaction. Yes, yes, equal and opposite. Um, and they, there's like a split second of time in there before the uh, energy field reacts to what the enterprise is doing. So, you know, they start trying to come up with a plan on maybe they can uh, take advantage of that time and make adjustments to uh, move uh, faster than the, the, uh, the force field can push them back. Uh, so as they're talking, this is where Jordy's stuck with the... Uh, the, the power gets shut out and, you know, there they all are sitting in the dark. <laughs> um, but as they're uh, discussing it, it was, it was interesting because I know there's a clip of it in here. Uh, there's the back rubs. The back rubs start up. <laughs> really creepy back rubs. Yep, yep, the back rubs start up. Um, there is a model of the Enterprise A on the table, right? Is that, is that, is that the A there the, from the original series? Looks I like it. I meant, to look, like I, it. I meant to look it up. I'm not 100% if it's the A or any of the letters between now and D. Because mm. um, they all are fairly similar. Uh, but it, it's definitely a previous Enterprise. Yeah, there's an older Enterprise model on the table, which is, is pretty cool. Yeah, I have a couple of those back here. <laughs> <laughs> Grab them. Let's compare. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the adjustments that they come up with it's going to take 1000 adjustments per second um, which they said is faster than any person or even data can computate um, so the the I think it's Leah's projection that comes up with the idea that if they turn the ship's control over entirely to the computer then they'd be able to make these computations and get through uh, the, the rest of the field yeah she specifically says when that that conversation goes, I can, and then no, you, you can't. You're uh, you're a human because this yeah. guy forgot about that, and then she's like, no, no, I'm I'm the computer. I can yeah. do it. Yeah, Jordy's clearly blurring the lines and forgetting that this is just the hollow deck. And... So, Jordy, Jordy. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, Picard, this is where Picard comes in and he's, he's surprised to see another person standing there with Jordy and Jordy very quickly is like, oh, well, this is, uh, this is Leah. Um, she used to work on the propulsion systems and nothing weird is happening here. We're working, <laughs> I swear. Um, so, you know, this is, this is kind of where I thought the, the episode was taking a turn where Jordy was going to get distracted because he was falling in love on the holodeck and wasn't going to be able to, you know, Picard was going to have to step in and like pull him out or something, but. Didn't, didn't quite go down that road. Uh, but, uh, Jordy presents his uh, idea to Picard. Picard is visibly uh, concerned, um, not sure about turning over all control of the ship over to the uh, computer. Uh, they're talking about uh, this. Uh, he talks with it with Riker, talks the plan over, um, and they talk about how, you know, Riker's impressed with computers um, and their ability to take orders, but not necessarily their ability to give them. And I thought that this was an interesting flip from Measure of a Man, where, you know, not necessarily saying Data is a computer, but Data is, you know, he's more computer-like than the rest of them. And yeah. he is giving orders. He is operating as a Starfleet officer. And, um, you know, it, it was just kind of interesting to see so much um, concern on the behalf of Picard and Riker about 
trusting the computer and allowing the ship to, to basically go into autopilot and um, how uncomfortable they were about that. Uh, this is also where Picard starts waxing poetic. He's going back to the ship in a bottle analogy and talking about how, you know, I can't believe, you know, we used to fly planes with one propeller and, you know, take over. And now, now the, the computers are flying us, you know, and it's kind of funny because if you ask any airline pilot nowadays, you know, they would say that the planes pretty much fly themselves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Jordy is running simulations in the holodeck and he, he sees that it, when they do turn over control of the computer that it did succeed in one simulation but then and Leah gets really excited about that and he says well wait let's run it again they run it again and it fails so it's not necessarily a hundred percent success rate and it's funny because watching this little uh simulation of the ship going through the mine minefield um, it reminded me of if any of you out there have played the Star Wars pinball machine, uh, <laughs> not the mixed uh, trilogies here or, or mixed franchises, but there's a video mode where you fly the Millennium Falcon through uh, some <laughs> asteroids. And it looks a lot like this. It does, yeah. <laughs> um, while they're running those simulations, the shields uh, fail completely, and now there are no more shields. The Enterprise is getting blasted with radiation, and the computer helpfully tells us that they are all gonna die in like 26 minutes. Um, Picard reports down and he wants to know what Jordy's solution is, you know, did they find another way? And Jordy asks for two more minutes, you know, please, it's, it's like the kid, like two more minutes, dad, I don't wanna come in yet. Come on, give me give me some more time, play the computer. Um, so they're, they're gonna try to come up with some other option. And this is where Jordy uh, comes up with an idea to approach this problem in the opposite direction. and. Again, a lot of techno speak, but basically it whittles down to um, Jordy thinking, well, maybe we're trying too hard to overpower the energy field. What if we go in with less power? We, we try like maybe a short burst at impulse and then use uh, the thrusters to try to maneuver around the asteroids. Um, so that that's the other proposal that he came up with. Um, this was a great scene because again, Picard is in the bridge and he's getting the, the information from data or from Jordy and he's weighing everything. He asks Jordy, what are the risk factors involved with doing this? And, and Jordy says, well, look, it's, it's not a hundred percent. It's just pretty much even money with turning the control over to the computer. It's the same thing, you know, but a computer doesn't have the experience, uh, the, the ability to think for itself the way that a human would if they were at the controls. So they ultimately decide to go with that that plan, um, turn everything on the Enterprise off and just uh, try to maneuver on thrusters. Uh, the interesting thing here is Jordy offers to take over the controls and Picard tells him, no, you've done your job. You've done what you need to do. I will handle this from here. Um, and he relieves Wesley at the, the command and I, I, no, can't can't trust Wesley to drive. Um, but no, but what I thought was, you know, when's the last time Picard has driven a starship? <laughs> There's people whose jobs is flying the starship. Like, right. Yeah, I, I like how he cracked his knuckles and he was like all ready to go. And, you know, apparently, you know, uh, this is one of three times in the show he actually takes over at the helm to fly. So interesting. I forget if it happened. Before, I don't know if it happens two times after this or once before, once after. But this is this one is of three this, times. 
Yeah, this yeah. is the second time because it happened in the one oh one one one. That's right. Episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're just that episode twice now. <laughs> <laughs> Very important episode. Oh yeah. But you know, I I see the reason why they do this is to bring it full circle um, because he was just waxing poetic about the oh, wasn't it great when we had one propeller and now you know for all intents and purposes they basically have one propeller. And it's up to Picard to now uh, drive the Enterprise through this asteroid field on very little power um, and with little room for error um, now that the ships are, uh, the shields are down. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting was maybe it's because there would be too much of a delay between him giving orders to someone to turn the ship left or right and then him you know, and those orders being carried out. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's weird. It, it's a weird. It was a question I had. I was like, why is Picard taking over here? I mean, is there anything other than narrative yeah. <laughs> drama? I, uh, I also like you get a second of the uh, the pilot's like layout. And there is like a D-pad and like some buttons. It's really... Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. D-pad hit me. Like I was just like, oh, <laughs> how does that work? You'd push left on the D-pad and they're like, okay, uh, the port thrusters are now firing. <laughs> I can move over a little bit. Um, Worf and Riker were also like calling out the obstacles on the viewer. And like, I, I just wanted Picard to turn around and be like, okay, you're not helping. Like I can see them <laughs> on the viewer in front of me. Like we're good. Um, but I did like that Riker disabled, there was like a, a current, uh, you know how in every sci-fi movie when there's like a self-destruct or something, there's like a, a voice overhead, you know, self-destruct in 10 seconds, in nine seconds. Well, this was kind of happening here where like the radiation, the fatal radiation countdown was going and Riker disabled it because he was just like, I, we can't listen to this, you know, over and over again. So I thought yeah, that was kind of good. Um, but what ends up happening is Picard ends up uh, maneuvering the Enterprise closer and closer to a large asteroid to the point where Data's like, sir, uh, what are you doing? You know, you've, you've got to get through this. And this is where Picard does this from time to time, where he's like, I know better than everyone else on this ship, and they're going to love this move, and I'm not going <laughs> to tell anybody about it until we do it, you know? <laughs> um, because he decides to basically slingshot the Enterprise using the gravity of the asteroid um, to, to fling it outside of the, the debris field. And nobody picks up on this until it's after it's done. And he doesn't tell anybody that he's doing this until after it's done. And then everybody's excited and blown away. You, by would, think, you would think Data would know about like this. Like he would extrapolate that he's doing this. If, you know, if nobody else has a be but Data should know. Yeah, first, like, first off, okay, it's, it's a full straight-on, like, Tokyo Drift. He doesn't even, like, kind of, like, they straight, this ship, like, straight up, like, sideways move. Where, was, was, where were the screech sounds, you know? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? But um, secondarily, the, the Enterprise, whichever one, does it in one of the movies where they slingshot around a planet to get more speed, correct? I think it's one of those. Anyway. Yeah, that's to go back in time, I think. But like also, the point being is also they, Superman. It's it's Superman dumb, shot. but yeah. But the point being is they do it to get speed, and that's exactly what Picard. Like I mean, people have done it. Apollo, Apollo thirteen, right? <laughs> Slingshot around the moon. <laughs> they could just open. The, yeah, yeah. Open the history books. Maybe he wasn't expecting the Tokyo, dr the full Tokyo <laughs> drift, but like. Yeah. I just think that you know Picard. Maybe let your crew in on what you're doing just hey this is my plan this is what i'm gonna do whether or not you like it i'm doing it anyway you know it just instead of this the the wink and the nod and be like watch this <laughs> <laughs> i'm just turning the whole ship around 
Uh, the, the next, the very next thing they do, uh, Picard says, let's make sure no one else falls for this booby trap. And they decide to blow up the ship and the asteroids and everything else. Instead of just placing like a, can't they just place a beacon? And yeah, they, they've done it before. They, they do it again. They place a warning beacon. Don't destroy a thousand year old pristine ship that's, you know, if money wise, it'd be worth so much money right now. It makes it. It me, and also too, what bothered me too at that whole scene is like, I get it too, but like you see in the simulation, like the thing going back and forth and flipping and flying, and then this hits like four times and he's out of the the yeah. out of the asteroid field. Like, come on, guys! Like, come on! I know it's a TV show. I know it's forty minutes long, but clearly it was much harder the simulation than four or five blips and bloops on like the, the on the, the computer TV. couldn't yeah. do that. <laughs> they turn it, left, turn like, right, go. Yeah, it just you know it really stood out at me like like it just it was pretty pretty eye catching eye appealing mm. eye opening I guess yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I just didn't. I I thought that they would preserve the ship and just warn people about yeah. the area, and then while they had more time and they could use their sensors from the outside of the field to try to pick out which ones were the beacon or where the generators were and then pull the ship out. I, I don't know. Unmanned vessel? Like what? There's Unmanned so many, there. so many things. <laughs> nope. Let's blow it sky high. All right. Um, and nothing then... gets that close to defeating Picard and gets to live. <laughs> They'll never let us talk about it again. <laughs> <laughs> then we get this. Uh, Jordy realizes that uh, sometimes technology needs to be turned off. And that seems to be the big lesson that he learned. Or turned on in this picture. Huh? <laughs> that's the lesson that he learned at the end of this that you know turning the ship off and not relying on the computer uh is what saved the day and uh so i I need to say goodbye and um you know they talk about how they made a good team and then you know we get this we get this kiss and we get the lines that becca was talking about where she says you know every time you look at the engine it's just think of me it's my engine and every time you touch the computer it's me it's like you're touching me and it's just so weird. It's so, so weird. <laughs> yeah, what, seriously, what debates was she at where she was kissing the opponents? Like, why did the computer make this happen? This is all computer calculations. It would be so much better if he goes to approach her and she pulls back and she goes, oh, Jordy, I just don't like you like that. <laughs> exactly what <that> Christy said. <laughs> that would be amazing. God, that would be so oh, good. Oh, the computer just chimes in like, oh, we also use some of your recent holodeck experiences <laughs> to help craft your perfect situation, you know. We didn't know uh, was going, so we just kind of yanked from wherever. Like, you know, being, like she should push a button, say thumbs up or thumbs down for a good <laughs> program. <laughs> How do you rate this program? Uh, but yeah, he kisses her and uh, says goodbye and realizes that, you know, this is just a hologram and, you know, I'm I'm done now. We're turning this off and, and that's it. That, that's the end of the episode. Um, so <laughs> I just, I thought that this was going to go in a couple of different ways. I thought that maybe the holodeck simulation of Leah would turn evil and, you know, they'd give control to her. It seemed like they were setting that up, like they'd give control over to her and it'd be a wrong thing to do, it'd be evil. Or Jordy would fall in love with her and refuse to give her away, you know, or, or like get so distracted that he couldn't focus on what he needed to be doing. Um, I just didn't expect it to just kind of be like Jordy understood at the end, like, okay, like I'm done now. I'll just get my kiss and be out of here. Just a couple, a couple minutes ago, you said it surprised you that you know 
that they blow up the ship at the end. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you weren't expecting that. You know, it's like, cars drooling over this ship, literally. And like, just blows it up it just, willy-nilly. It just didn't feel like there was very much conflict in this episode, other than the outside uh, issue of the radiation field and the looming uh, shields dropping and whatnot. But there wasn't, I was expecting more internal conflict by the way that they were setting all this up, either like Jordy versus Picard uh, in doing his duties or Jordy versus Leah, you know, on the holodeck, something. But it just, it, it seemed, it just seemed like they ran out of time or that was one writer's idea and another writer wanted to do the whole uh, energy field thing and another writer wanted to do something else and they just didn't all get on the same page. Yeah, you're right. It felt like that. It just, it was, there were like two or three episodes in this one episode where you could have like expanded on multiple things in the. Yeah. Yeah. I, we're losing you there again. <laughs> but I, I think I got what you, you mean. Like there were a lot of narrative threads that they could have pulled on and they just didn't, you know, they just kind of had to wrap it up within 40 minutes. You know, this would have been a great two-parter, you know, even if like the first part was setting up the relationship between Jordy and the hologram and, they dealt with whatever issue they had to deal with, but Jordy kept, you know, going back to the holodeck and back to the holodeck and, you know, they, they had to pull him out um, or lay a turn evil or something. I mean, it just seemed like there was a lot of setup going on here and it all got wrapped up in the last like two or three minutes. Since my audio is working again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like what you said there, um, it actually, there are, uh, there's episodes later in the show and, you know, where they kind of go into, things that you're just talking about there where it's like not the exact same plot but it is they hit some some things you just talked about Mm -hmm. where it's like in a much better way and a much more interesting way yeah yeah Yeah, it feels like they almost tacked on in a bad way the whole computer versus man thing near the end of it and it really made picard and uh riker seem yeah like like you said almost out of character where they were just like this technology nowadays i you know i want to go back to the time when there weren't computers in my car, like right. so. I, I, yeah. yes. I, I almost kind of think too, like maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Maybe they, you know, thought like they didn't think of data anymore as a computer. Like they just yeah, thought yeah, of yeah. it as the mm-hmm. person. Which you know, I'm sure you know that wasn't in the script, but you know that's. But it, it was weird how it was, very much like don't trust computers. Right. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and we'll we'll see. Maybe that comes back. I I don't know. Um, but uh, did you guys have any other thoughts about this episode? Uh, as uh, Civilian Greg, this was one of your picks. I think it was on your list. Is there any particular reason, or because I, I I do like I do like I, again I can't say too much, but things this episode come back later, okay. and and that's why like like this episode on its own isn't all that great. It's actually probably I think one of the lowest rated episodes of the season. Going through IMDb and looking at their like the rating system. Mm-hmm. But things happen in this episode where, like you talked about earlier, where later episodes kind of come back to things. And that's why I like this episode because it sets up a lot of different things moving forward. At least two, at least, I know definitely two, maybe three things in the future that happen that come out of like this episode more or less. Um, that's why I like this one so much. Not because of it on its own, but because of what it does and what people go, what the writers go back to. Yeah. Becca, what do you think? I mean, I was just here for the ride, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just, well, I, I just one, one last thing about the the actress um, who plays Leah Brahms. Um, she actually auditioned a lot for Star Trek. Um, she was actually a, uh, auditioned for uh, Troy and Yar, 
where she didn't get it. She um, also uh, for seven of nine in her, in, in, her, in uh, Voyager, but also she was also one of the last. She was a front runner in being Captain Janeway in Voyager. Oh, wow. so. She does come back as different characters in other episodes. Um, I think in DS9, she's in a couple episodes, I think, as just some ensign or whatever. But, like, she definitely um, auditioned a lot for Star Trek and almost had a bunch of roles for them. Cool. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, like, I feel like it's weird if she was the captain of another show when she came as a human in the show. But that hairstyle is so distracting. <laughs> you could probably easily do it, and I wouldn't recognize her. Yeah, it is the show. It's almost a Janeway one where they should put that bun up roll thing in the first yeah. couple of seasons. <laughs> uh, do you guys have any other behind the scenes or anything else to, about this episode? I'm gonna have to check out that blooper reel. Yeah, yeah definitely do. It's, it's pretty good. I've I mean, you're probably you're sadly probably gonna want to wait until the end of the season just because it's yeah, gonna have just, stuff yeah. and everything. But yeah, all right, I'll, I'll make a note of it. I, I don't have anything else really. I mean, this episode was kind of like. There's not a lot of extras in this episode that I found that was like interesting, at least. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know. Uh, speaking of, uh, Utopia Planitia. Wow, words. Um, people who watch Picard <laughs> should recognize the name because it does have significance in that show. Um, I'm not gonna say anything because it's all spoilers forever. Yeah. But, um, that that does it pops up so much because obviously it's a it's I think Voyager's made there like most of, a lot of the big ships are made in that that there's, a, there's a bunch of stuff on um in Enterprise talking about Utopia Planitia also mm-hmm. I don't know how I forgot this going uh, way back in the back this is actually the first episode directed by a woman yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. that oh, was wow. interesting yeah I went back in my notes this is the very top of my notes which I had hidden under my computer very cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah Utopia Planitia is like the go to like yard for most of star trek they do other places but they they do come back to that a lot which is cool interesting interesting um i thought that you know the, this geordie's little program should be like now standard for all engineers you know it, when he finds an engineering team wherever they are um, he should make them all go down there and at least you know and, yeah, learn was there from any, was there any actors in the engineering the times he was down there i don't remember i don't think there was I think there was one or two background. I think there was one or two in the background when, in the very beginning, when he was like running around saying that the engines were looked normal, but they were not moving. So literally, there was no engineers in this episode, (laughs) which blows my mind because this is like this should be all hands on deck for engineering. Like, why have an engineering department if you know you can't figure out the this whole like the energy is drawing the power and the shields aren't working and everyone's gonna die? I mean. It's got to be more than just one person's responsibility to fix that. <laughs> it's true. Oh, man. So I think that's going to bring us towards the end of another episode of Hailing Frequencies. I want to mention oh, one yeah. more thing. Yeah, yeah. One more thing. It's, it's barely related to this. It's related to the fact that we all have free time now, and I've finished uh, Discovery, seasons Ooh. one and two. And okay, I don't okay. think I've had a chance to talk about it. Um, oh. But it makes me appreciate Deanna Troy so much. Because hot darn is that show a constant flow of just people having PTSD and then being put immediately onto the crew again. Oh, no. mm-hmm. Like there's oh, yeah. crazy things that happen. And they're just like, you know what? You're fine. Let's get back on. And it causes problems all of the time. There's literally an episode where the admiral is like, oh yeah, I was a therapist once. Let me talk to you for 10 minutes and fixes like all of the problems that this person had. And it's like, they need it. 
they need a counselor on this darn ship. Well, that's why they that's why they didn't later because at the time, you know, it was before there was no counselors on Enterprise or the um you know during the, t- the original series, you know. True. You know, it had to come later in, but you are right. I did. I kind of like. I didn't realize that watching it, but you're absolutely right. That a lot of conflict does come from. They have a lot of PS, PTSD in the show. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of problems where it's just like, oh, you're a prisoner of war. Sure, <laughs> take that station. Like, <laughs> what? Did, uh, you literally just got back. Did either of you watch Picard? Because I know that as we're recording, this is all finished now. So, oh, okay, both. Yeah. Of you. Um, so, what is the uh, you know spoiler free? Really quick, what is the the thumbs up, thumbs down? How do we feel? I mean, the dog's only in the first episode, so like, oh, you know, how can it be like a thumbs up? I, I think what you know, she- yeah. I, I think they really try to like. I'm hoping the new Star Trek show they're talking about, the Strange New World show, is more like Star Trek, where this is very much like Discovery and season three of enterprise where it's like very serialized so you, there's no real individual there's a couple like you know that one episode you know when you meet some of the all other characters come back from next generation that was a really good episode um but overall like it's i the same problem with a lot of other serialized shows like especially like the, the 13 episode seasons where it's like i feel like they have this really cool story and then they, they realize they have like two or three episodes left and they have to get it fixed and they kind of do all this stuff at the very end where it's like, oh, well, that should have taken way longer than it should have. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was the greatest show, but I did I did enjoy it for what it was. Um, I think it's better than Discovery, at least definitely season one. Discovery season two is, is better, but I think Picard is is better the best of this new run of shows right now. Um, and not just I tried to really look at it as like not just I had, you know, looking back at Picard and like I love Picard and the rest of the cast that comes back and whatever it's like no this is a this isn't a show i would say probably i would just recommend to somebody who's never watched star trek before which is a bad thing but if you watch star trek this is a great show or a good, good show. show which has, has have some some good stuff and some great stuff in it but like it's a good show overall personally it's funny because it's it's taken so long for anybody to even get to the good level for uh new star trek you know lately um the the bar has just been it was so high and you know especially with the expectations with everybody coming back you know that th- this would have been a really hard in its first season uh show to just hit everybody's interests and and work for everyone so you know um do you feel like the characters uh progressed or were they held in place or do you feel like some may have even are worse off than they were in for me um definitely uh you know like i don't know who like do you know who do you know what characters came back in the show harry i've seen the first trailer because we were at comic-con so i i know that Riker comes back and i know that troy comes back and data is there i don't know if that's really him or not but um those are the three that i've seen i don't want to get too much like so if you don't, if you have, whenever you watch it, I thought um, they did a good job with Data. Okay. Um, but there was not a lot of Troy or Riker. It was just very. Uh, I'm glad to see. I'm glad to see you got to see where they were kind of were and what happened, and you get en- enough of their backstory real quick to kind of understand what they what they're doing. But uh, again, I, I don't. I'm, they really didn't go heavy on. The next gen cast which is good i thought good because they're trying to be their own thing mm-hmm. yeah 
but again, that thing that might have been a failure also, where like you get shoved into the, these new characters who are very flawed and very like not t- not original Star Trek or TOS, Eve Enterprise or Voyager. This this is very much like Kelvin timeline, Kelvin characters, Discovery characters, where they have they're very flawed, and this isn't the perfect Federation, which I'm fine with. It's just very yeah. different, and that's why a lot of people don't. I feel like don't like these new shows because they are. There, there's lots of shades of gray and lots of um, you, their humanity isn't as perfect as it looks like it was in Next Generation and and um, and Voyager mm-hmm. and even DS9 to a certain extent. Even though you do see more of that in DS, less of that in DS9. Um, so I, I understand why people are weird about it. Definitely. Becca, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I think it does. It tries. It tries really hard to hit that gray area, and I think it's something that. Um, I think it's something that Deep Space Nine does a lot better. I mean, I'd like yeah. Deep Space Nine a lot better, but it's it is trying to hit that like it's an imperfect world. Starfleet is imperfect, which I mean, I guess it's cool and it's cool to see in the ways that they do it. And you know, like it's not like Starfleet went and like murdered babies or something. Like it's like an actual moral question or like a more you know like a moral problem. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it, it was good. Um, I don't think Picard's Picard's character is the same, yeah. which I don't know if that's for better or for worse. Okay. Um, and I do like the interaction because the the Riker, Deanna Troy, Picard interactions at least kind of nice because they aren't captain and first officer and whatever anymore. So they're yeah. just friends. So it's cute to see. But um, yeah. yeah, you don't yeah. you don't get too much of their character. You don't get too much of them in general. Mm. But yeah, it, it's not. I'm glad that they did go with a new cast as opposed to trying to like just dredge up the old. Yeah. <laughs> Although, yeah, I'm ve- I'm very disappointed. I don't know if it's true or not, but everybody keeps posting this thing where like they were saying like somebody may have come up to the writers and were like, no, I just want to do like like a small town murder mystery and like you know whatever uh, place uh, in France that Picard is at where he like slowly gets clues to like something weird that's happening in the town so it's like small scale but bit like big for france and small town that he's in but not too big and like yeah that was one of the first ideas yeah man that would have been so much better i would have like a lot more number one too yeah yeah the dog would have been there the two people that uh picard's with it's kind of spoilers the two people that Picard has at his vineyard are really interesting. They are, yeah. And like they, <laughs> they, they drop off halfway through the season, they're kind of not there anymore. It's like, yeah, they're just gone, and it's like that stings because they're really interesting people. <laughs> yeah, Picard and his like old Dixon Hill get up, like doing like a little Dixon Hill mystery for a season. Yeah, that'd, that'd, be, that'd, be fun. Yeah. that'd be fun. Yeah, I understand why they wanted to go big, but like I felt like they went big in Discovery season one and two, and they're going to yeah. go big. You know, maybe they sl- from what it looks like, you know. You know, the Area 51 or not Area 51, that Section 31 is going to be big, you know. But then, like, Strange New Worlds, I'm hoping it's, like, more, like, less serialized. And just, like, not everything has to be a big, giant, world-changing thing. And that's what one of my biggest problems with, like, the Star the Star Trek movies were, are. Mm-hmm. And even, like, Discovery and this is going through. They're all, like, world-ending problems. It's like, that's not what this show's about. It's about smaller problems. With has Sometimes, yeah, you'll get that big, overarching, big problem like the Borg. You know, you mm-hmm. get that. Mm-hmm. But it's not, that's what, Star Trek is not that. And that's what a lot of people have problems with the movies. Are. It's very big, yeah. whereas the show is not that. Yeah. So real quick, would you recommend Yes, No to someone who's like on the fence, like a longtime fan on the fence? Would you say 
check it out or yeah i mean if you watch star trek and you've watched oh five seasons of the original series seven seasons of star trek next generation seven seven series if you've watched all of these seasons like you just you're gonna watch it anyway you might as well um that you know that, that's what i did i literally just sat yeah. and watched it and drugged through it it's not again it's not the worst that's fun to see the familiar faces and to hear some of the like sounds and stuff that the show had and whatever and see where they made it to but you know if you want to watch it you watch it if you don't you don't all right all right well anything else before we close it out uh i will throw it back to you becca again to give everybody the details on the uh stream um but i just wanted to go over the the contact information and stuff for the show real quick uh so this is hailing frequencies uh you can find us on twitter at hail frequencies we're also on facebook where we have all of our co-hosts and the different uh guests that join the show are pretty much all there um answering questions and posting stuff so it's uh hailing frequencies a next generation podcast if you search on facebook the email address is hail frequencies at gmail.com and we had uh, a little bit of interaction from our last episode i just wanted to cover really quick uh again from our friend damon mike who i had some questions last episode about some of the uniforms that were worn uh there was a guy in like a gray uniform and i had no idea where he was coming from and uh mike explained that that is a uh, utility coverall for a non-civilian or a non-starfleet officer civilian scientist um so that's where that came from uh so i that was i didn't know anything about that and he gave me some insight on the Jeremy Astor character who was the little kid um, who was, you know, they, they were messing with his dead mother, you know, in the episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, he never pops up again on the show, but he comes back for an issue of the Star Trek Next Generation com- comics and in two of the novels. And it says that he went to live with his aunt on Earth, but also gets close with Worf's adoptive human parents. So um jeremy in the novels grows up to become an archaeologist like his mother which i thought was very nice because yeah i wanted to know what happens to him so (laughs) um you know uh the other thing i wanted to talk about this was a really interesting theory on mike's behalf we talked a little bit about the lighting in worf's quarters during the um ceremony that he had to honor jeremy's mother and the lighting was blue and usually like it's all they're red and everything's very aggressive and we were trying to figure out why the blue lighting and uh, Mike uh, says maybe purely speculation, but perhaps the color is meant to signify a different sort of memorial ritual than most red lit Klingon ceremonies. Um, as Worf says, the death was senseless. So this isn't, you know, some kind of throw your head back and roar to the, to the sky like the other Klingon uh, rituals are. This is maybe a much more somber and subdued ceremony, uh, maybe for those who die by misfortune rather than combat, but still deserve recognition for dying in the line of duty. So I thought that was a really interesting uh, way to look at it um, yeah. and, you know, good theory on Klingon rituals and their use of color. And yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, thanks, Damon, Mike, for uh, sending that information in. And it, again, if any of you out there would like to reach out to the show or answer some of our questions or uh, let me know why Picard would take the, <laughs> the helm over somebody else or why they would blow up that ship, um, you know, feel free to reach out to the show. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, video version of Hailing Frequencies. Uh, thanks to Level Up for hosting us uh, for the event. And uh, Becca, do you want to talk a little bit more about where people can find the event and uh, how they can check it out? Yeah, I mean, chances are if you're watching this pre-recorded, you're watching the event. 
but it will be on Facebook, YouTube, and our Twitch channel, all of which are just Level Up Entertainment. You can find them. Um, we will have links on all, like, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We'll have links and everything uh, advertising this all the time. We're going to have all sorts of guests and fun stuff. We'll be doing, like, Jackbox with these people probably at some point. So, you know, just tune in. Um, we are also raising money for the food bank of... Community it's Food Bank community. of New Jersey. Yeah, I was going to say, there was a word in there. Community yeah. Food Bank of New Jersey. We'll be raising money for that. South Jersey area. Or the South yeah. Jersey, Atlantic County area. I just figure we can use the chance that we have having people all together to just see if you got an extra couple bucks, donate some food to people who need it. Very cool. Very cool. Well, civilian Greg, civilian Becca, thank you guys for joining me on uh, this episode of Hailing Frequencies. We will touch base with both of you later on this season. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I really appreciate you guys spending uh, your night and uh, helping me cover the episode Booby Trap. It's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, on behalf of everyone here at Hailing Frequencies, this is Ensign Harry, and we are signing off. Hailing Frequencies closed.